Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's Sitting in for my friend Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn will be back tomorrow. Glenn, Pat, Stu, Jeffy, the whole crew back tomorrow. Before I get into uh, North Korea and the situation there that's very troubling to me, I want to say good morning to uh, Ben in California. Good morning, Ben. How are you, sir? Did we lose Ben? I can't hear Ben. Hello, Ben. Uh, this is Jeff. You looking well, for Jeff from California? I'll take Jeff from California. I guess Ben's on hold somewhere else. I'm sorry, Jeff. How are you, sir? Happy New Year. Happy New Year's to you, Mr. Pelka. Um, I was calling in today because your uh, story last week about a police officer in California um, arresting somebody for being under the influence of caffeine. It, w- it was not I a have... police officer. It was uh, a member of the... Of the um... I think it's like the alcohol and and tobacco. It, it was not a say uh, a uniformed police department member from a a municipality, but it was from an agency. Gotcha. Um, I have suspicion that that gentleman had his own suspicions about the driver ingesting marijuana, and that is why he couldn't do a field sobriety test and tried to do a blood test. And once it failed negative on that, then he had to come up with some other reason, such as caffeine. Well, you, 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 we can only speculate, uh, Jeff. But what happened in this case, the agent witnessed this guy driving erratically, pulled him over, breathalyzed him. He, he had a 0.0 on the breathalyzer, still thought there was some impairment, brought him in, got the blood test. The person was arrested, spent the night in jail, and it turned up the only thing in the blood was caffeine. There were no uh, illegal or legal substances that could have been being abused. And, but it's a, an interesting case that the guy was still charged with driving under the influence. So I, I take it you're a pro-marijuana person. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm actually a uh, commercial cannabis farmer in California. Oh, wow. How's business? Uh, it is doing very well. 2017 is a breakthrough year for here in California. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who is a proponent of the medical marijuana. I'm a guy who's seen it do wonderful things for people who need that help. I get nervous when we think about putting it everywhere where it can be used by people who might be driving 
and not be using it for medical purposes. But I'm open to talking about it, Jeff. You know, I think that's that's we have to be willing to have that discussion, especially when we look at some of the other chemicals that are being thrown about. Absolutely. Uh, Those are all big concerns and and very relevant. Um, Those are the reasons why uh, legalization has to have regulations. And once those regulations are actually fully in place, uh, then I think it will be a lot more conducive to society and their expectations. Well, let's talk about regulation. As As a marijuana farmer, as a commercial marijuana farmer, how heavily regulated are you? This is California in a new business. <laughs> what, what do you think? <laughs> well, is uh, there... Not only that, the, the, the laws here are written extremely backwards as far as the original tent of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the state law is written so that the counties can supersede the state laws and inject their own um, interpretation of the new law. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, so basically, a lot of the... A lot of the counties have essentially banned all the, uh, the new Proposition 64 that just went through. So the people spoke, and now it's pretty much banned everywhere. Uh, so there's going to be a two-year lengthy process of litigation that's going to go on, and eventually it will become back to legal, but um, that's the case here in California. For those of us that don't know what Proposition 64 is, what are you referring to? Uh, Proposition 64 is a new law that just passed in California that allows um, the cannabis to be taxed and also allows personal use and up to six plants for personal use. Hmm. Okay. So that's so that was allowed by referendum and then overturned or negated by many local communities. That's exactly right. And I think the local communities are scared to get sued. So they're, they're kind of going in, banning it, and then letting somebody lead the way, such as Humble County or some of the original folks that were in the scene. And uh, once all that gets settled, you know, I think 2019 is the projected date uh, for a lot of this stuff to be finalized. Interesting. One more quick question, Jeff, before we let you go. Where do you stand on California breaking up and splitting off? Uh, if you're talking about the state of Jefferson, I like it. But if you're talking about seceding from the nation, absolutely not. It's ridiculous. So you'd be all for the uh, separate state of Jefferson, which I, I think has a more libertarian base to it from what I've heard, and but not absolutely. breaking up into five separate properties or just breaking off into your own country. Yeah, that would spell disaster. I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners there know California and their politics. I don't see how that could work. Well, uh, we got a lot. Jefferson, however... They're, they're much more conservative-based. You know, if California, you're in L.A., San Diego, or San Francisco, you're very liberal. And if you're in any of the outskirts, uh, you don't get really a say in Sacramento anymore. Uh, so that's what the state of Jefferson's all about, is trying to give a voice back to the rural communities and, and still being part of the United States. Well, I don't know how some of my libertarian and conservatarian brothers and sisters do it out in California, but I salute you. Jeff, thanks for joining no the joke. show. I appreciate you. Take care, my friend. <laughs> I'm, wow, up early in California. And you are welcome to join the conversation as well. 888-727-BECK, 727-2325 is the phone number. I was talking earlier about the news out of North Korea. Now, now let's, oh boy, this guy, Kim Jong-un. We know that, that last year alone, North Korea conducted two nuclear tests, and they have been looking at at creating rockets that are big enough to launch satellites. But at the same time, that technology will allow North Korea to create a, a rocket that can hold a nuclear warhead that can travel up to 5,000 kilometers or 3,000 plus miles. Not a good thing. 
Not a good thing. And Kim Jong-un seems to rattle his little saber whenever we get a new president. It seems to be his wicked custom. So while, while our, our uh, intelligence isn't showing us that they're moving a rocket towards a launch pad, that, that the uh, government in Pyongyang is not, is not imminently preparing to launch, the, the leader, the latest dear leader, is, is saying that his country will continue to strengthen its ability based on a nuclear might to mount a preemptive attack. Now, very carefully worded, this was his New Year half-hour speech. Uh, by the way, same guy who last month uh, made it illegal to worship Christmas. Well, it's been illegal to worship Christmas, but you can worship uh, his his grandmother, who they claim was born on Christmas Day. So North Korea, once again, preparing, telling us they're going to test an intercontinental ballistic missile, a missile capable of traveling from one continent to another and capable of carrying a nuclear warhead, and we know they've tested him. And what is President Obama doing? Nothing. He's doing nothing. He is, he is returning from his final vacation, the $100 million worth of vacations that we've paid for over the eight years. He's returning from Hawaii in order to do two things. He's going to meet with Democrats in Congress tomorrow and start plotting on how they are going to obstruct Donald Trump. Ultimately, he's hoping to, hoping to get something done to prevent the total uh, destruction of Obamacare, because he knows that's his legacy. But I don't know why President Obama wouldn't see this. Well, I do know why. I don't know why President Obama would not take action or get John Kerry involved in this to say, look, bigger problem than getting mad at Israel, bigger problem than what's going on with the with Netanyahu and how you've destroyed a relationship with a trusted ally, shouldn't you be, instead of pushing through the agenda-driven UN resolution, shouldn't we jump on North Korea and at least rally some sort of coalition instead of waiting these last 19 days, 18 days, and letting it, talk about kicking the can down the road, so many times during the 2008 campaign, we heard Barack Obama say the, the Republicans kicked the can down the road. They, they just they didn't want to deal with it. Nobody wanted to solve a problem. They left it for the next administration. Well, guess what's happening here? You have an imminent threat not only to the United States but definitely to the region. A guy who says he's going to test an intercontinental ballistic missile who has tested nuclear warheads. And instead of dealing with that, you are worried about making sure your legacy is not destroyed because your socialist medical health insurance program is set to be taken apart. It's, it's the most maddening thing in the news today for me, that we are totally blind to North Korea. We have enabled this guy with what we did in Iran. We have enabled this guy. We basically said, it's okay. You can take care of business. Do whatever you want to do, sir. And now that we have people finally escaping, getting out of North Korea and telling us, 
They intend to have those missiles and the, and the warheads ready sometime in 2017. And what are we doing for the last three weeks? Well, I'll tell you what President Obama's doing. He's flying back to Washington. As I said, he's meeting with all of the big wigs in the party. They are now officially the party of no, as we learned from Chuck Schumer. I'll tell you about it next break. But he's also saying, I've got to work on my final speech. And President Obama is, has just announced that on January 10th, a week and a day from tomorrow, he'll be, so next Wednesday, not the coming Wednesday, next Wednesday, he will be in Chicago to deliver his farewell speech. Chicago, the city that had more gun murders last year than New York and Los Angeles combined. Is there a greater example of the failure of Democratic leadership than my former hometown? I don't think so. So I do think it's fitting that President Obama is is absolutely doing nothing, apparently, publicly, about the North Korea announcement that they're going to test an intercontinental ballistic missile. And he's going to visit with Congress to try and save his legacy and then fly to Chicago to have a big farewell speech because he needs to be in the city, the third largest city in the country that had more murders by gunshot than the first and the second largest city in the country combined. It doesn't make any sense. Thanks, President Obama. Thanks a lot. Stepping aside for a minute, when we get back, um, I know we love our pets, but I have a story that just really bothers me about, about how much money these people spent to keep a puppy alive. And I, am I a bad person? How much would you spend to keep a puppy alive? We'll talk about that next on the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. Triple eight seven two seven back. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is the Glenn Beck Program. New from Disney and Pixar, in association with the producers of Where's Waldo, comes a motion picture for our time, ripped from the headlines, especially if the only headlines you see are on HLN. She's lost and all alone in a great big world, flushed from the headlines, trying to make it back home. Is she in the woods? Is she out of the woods? Is she in a coffee house? Is she being hacked by the KGB? Or in the secluded underwater prison, a captive of the evil Trump fish? 
Finding Hillary. Just keep voting, just keep voting, just keep the voting. The latest post-apocalyptic post-election animated classic featuring a two-dimensional candidate in a three-dimensional political world. Finding Hillary. Opening Friday. Ready G whiz, will you get over it? Thank you, Doc Thompson and the uh, Morning Blaze crew for sending that over. I hope that movie gets made. Uh, I think it's very clever. I love when the little Hillary fish is saying, just keep voting, just keep voting. Mike Opelka is sitting in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. If you are a uh, regular to my program, Pure Opelka, heard weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. live on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you. That's Eastern time. If not, check us out. Uh, We are a little different. Yes, we do the politics, but we also do a little bit different in terms of strange stories. But, you know, Beck does, too. So I shouldn't say it's all that bizarre or all that different. Uh, But uh, I mentioned mentioned earlier that Ernesto, uh, my buddy, is uh, leaving from Dallas Right now, they're on their way walking from Dallas towards Arlington, 20 miles today, walking all the way from Tennessee to California to Los Angeles to draw attention to the plight of veterans. And so uh, I'll send out a link to my my Twitter account to follow Ernesto at NerdNesto. But uh, he's he's an amazing guy and he's doing things for the vets. And so I, I asked some of my, my friends this weekend if we were going to talk about doing things, things for the vets, what, what's out there? I'm looking for some new kind of helpful charity type things that we can do. And a, a really good friend of mine from my college life said, Freedom Service Dogs. Freedom Service Dogs is a charity that takes unwanted shelter dogs. In other words, the ones that nobody wanted to adopt. And they train them to be service dogs to disabled vets and then also and hand them to other people. So once all the disabled vets have been helped out with a service dog, they pass them on to other people. How good is this charity? Uh, my friend Carol Ann said that Robin Williams' daughter selected Freedom Service Dogs as the recipient of her inheritance, saying that, her dad, Robin Williams, would have loved what they stand for. And she's been a, a, a supporter. We're going to reach out to them, see if we can get them on the, on the phone. Uh, and I say that because I read a story that, that both made me say, oh, my gosh, and then made me scratch my head and say, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. There's, there's a story in the New York Post about a French bulldog named Jones. And first of all, French bulldogs, adorable dogs. They're adorable. But this little guy has a lot of problems. Now, I'm a, I'm a dog lover, a dog rescuer, worked on a rescue. Our family, my wife and I worked on a rescue that brought hundreds of dogs a month from the south to the north because they were abandoned. We were part of the Underhound Railroad. So I have a very warm spot in my heart for our four-footed friends. But a couple in Brooklyn 
has spent $155,000 on vet bills for a puppy. A tiny puppy. This, this dog has a lot of problems. And I know they're cute. But I just wonder. And, and am, I, am I a bad guy? I wonder how many service dogs we could have given to our vets for that $155,000. I know little Jones, the French bulldog, is adorable. But I think we got to think people first sometimes. Michael Pelka in for Glenn Beck. When we get back, we'll talk to my buddy Pete Kasparowitz from the Washington Examiner about the swamp. The Glenn Beck Program. Mike Opelka in for Glenn Beck and the Glenn Beck program. The full show returns tomorrow. Glenn, Pat, Stu, and yes, Jeffy as the beaver. Uh, They are back from their holiday vacation. I'm here, but I'll also be in at nights. Uh, We're working on a new studio setup, so I think it might be Wednesday night or Thursday night back live on Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter. I will keep you posted. My Twitter handle, at StuntBrain, all one word, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. And if you go to theblaze.com, you can click on the button that says Channels, and you can follow my channel, and little stories will pop up in your feed. Before we went away, I was telling you about the story of the Brooklyn couple that have a dog, a puppy, who's not really well, uh, little Jonesy, the French bulldog, who has required $155,000 in vet bills just to keep alive, takes nine pills a day. The people have to give him nine pills a day, antibiotics, steroids, allergy vaccines, anxiety medicine. This 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 dog is adorable, but really, what are we doing here? Am I a bad person? Now, a lot of it's covered by pet insurance, but I'm also wondering what we're doing here. And uh, I'll share more on this story. I'll I'll share a link. I'm also reaching out to the people who uh, give service dogs to our vets, Freedom Service Dogs of America, and hopefully we'll hear from them later in the day. But right now, my buddy from the Washington Examiner, the guy who is, uh, I, I don't know if he's in the swamp that they're hoping to drain, but I think he has seen the plug that they want to pull to drain the swamp. Uh, Pete Kasparowitz is his name. Pete, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Where are you going to move to? What country are you going to move to? You, oh. can't be talking about, you can't be talking about dogs like that. You're going to be run out of the whole country. No, 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 no. I'm a dog People rescuer. I'm a dog rescuer, Pete, but I just have you to can't. question the sanity you're putting a price on love, man. You're gone. You're done in this country. All right. Well, <laughs> it's over. 
Thanks Enjoy for the your ha- last day. <laughs> Thanks for I the mean, happy news. My mom's going to call you at least and say you're putting a price on love. It's you're a horrible man, Michael Pelka. <laughs> well, this to me, this is like you know an over over medicated person. This dog's got to be a zombie. He's on antidepressant medicine. He's got antibiotics, allergy vaccines, all I that just, stuff. All that stuff is stuff you're saying. You better start looking at a country to live in. All right, I've already picked it out. <laughs> Where are is you? It? Are you familiar with the Free Republic of Liberland? <laughs> It is four square miles on the Danube River between Croatia and, and Yugoslavia. And I happen actually, to know the president. I have him on speed dial. Is that right? Well, yeah. then you have an in. You're going you're gonna to need I'm telling you, my mom's going to call you right now. It's, you're a horrible man, Michael Pelka. You've made a big mistake early in the year. I'm just questioning the sanity you got here. Between, you got between a family's love, love for their dog and uh, it's just... There's no coming back from that. You're done. You're done. Everyone wow. give Michael Pelka a great big hand. He had a great run. <laughs> Don't you remember these stories, though, where people, like, you can't say a thing about a dog like that. People will flip out. You must be getting tweets endlessly right now. No. No, I, I'm, I'm not getting Because I also said I would rather see that money spent on taking dogs out of shelters and training them to be service dogs for our veterans. Well, it's the toughest thing an adult has to do. Is, and I became an adult, and probably all of us did, when you take your kids to the vet and you have to decide to end the life of your pet. It's horrible. May 11th you know, it, of it, this it, last year, I did that. It's horrible. May, May 11th, I had to say goodbye. But yeah, I also, it's so bad. Uh, and, and I also understand that somewhere between that, that heart and your brain, there has to be a reasonable discussion. Well, that's what I mean. That, and, and, and obviously, I'm just joking. You have to make these calls. It's the roughest thing. The, the vets, the vets are, are better at it now, I think, though. They, they kind of tell you, yeah, you know, I think everyone must ask the vet, if this were your pet, what would you do? And, oh, and how did you and, know? And say, well, I think it's the only thing. I mean, how else do you know how to judge it? it it's, it's impossible. And you sort of hope the vet says the right thing. And, and a lot of times when the pet's in really bad shape, they'll just say, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't save this one. It's, the, it's so horrible. It's horrible. It's like um, it, it, you become a dad when you do that with a kid in the room, you know. That's when you really become an adult because someone has to take charge there and it has to be you. It's brutal. Uh, I'm just uh, – now, now we've totally bummed each other out and I can't I know, wait to hear always, from your mother. <laughs> we, we, we always do this to each other. I guess I do it to you all the time. Anyway, let's start over. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, time to drain the swamp. Have you seen the plug, though, Pete? Have you seen the plug in the swamp that, that Trump is going to tie a giant – chain to and yank it out god if, if i mean if it were that easy someone well maybe no one would have done it but um i, I mean he's he's making i think the plug are all is all the guys he's bringing in all the people he's bringing in to do it it's it's quite a bunch of people and i was noting you know even as we sort of say goodbye to the clintons we we sort of said goodbye to a lot of the republicans who might have come here too it's like anyone who is old news is basically out you know gingrich not in and giuliani not in and Chris Christie not in. You have all these guys who look like they're a bunch of sort of can-do business people, and and it's the big question of the year. What will they do? You know, will they will they cut spending? Will they end Obamacare? Will they deregulate everything? Will they have a new strategy for ISIS? I mean, all these possible things they could do. Um, you know, we don't really know, but we have a sense that it, I mean, to me it looks like it's shaping up to be very dramatic and very different, and get ready for the press to howl about it. Well, it. It certainly looks like, judging from what Chuck Schumer has been saying, 
that uh, the Democrats have embraced the term that they coined for the Republicans years ago, the party of no, that they are going to make these confirmation hearings as difficult as possible. And they're going to really try and put the squeeze on uh, on the uh, incoming administration. And maybe I think only one of Trump's announced cabinet nominees uh, should get an easy pass. And I think that's Mattis. But the rest of them look like they're in for a, a really tough, tough run. Well, you know what, though? I, I disagree with that. And I think that's the line the Dems are trying to sell. And if you remember what Harry Reid did before he left is he gave the minority no voice in the Senate. I mean, they can do little things on the edges and demand more hearing time and ask, all, you know, like it, it boils down to tough questions at a hearing, I think, because in the end, if Republicans agree, these guys are in. Yeah, but it, it, they can't lose anybody, though. They have to keep, you know, you, if you lose three, then the Democrats could make it difficult, correct? Yeah, true. Of course. <clears throat> of course. Oh. But I, you know, but but let's see. Let's see where it goes. This is it's too hard to see around that corner, I think, right now. I think I think most of these guys probably get through pretty easily. Um, and and the Dems are doing the best they can to pretend that the Senate is a place where the minority matters. And it just doesn't matter anymore. Thanks to Harry Reid. I, I noticed when he started making his first cabinet picks, I, I sort of laughed at that because a lot of Democrats came out with press releases and said, I just can't support this nominee. And every time I saw that, I would laugh and say, remember when that mattered? You know, remember when you would need, you know, remember, remember when you had to get eight Democrats, you know, to, to, to get a nominee on board or eight, eight members of the minority? It just doesn't matter anymore. You know, like, go, go find the three Republicans saying no first, and then let's go. Then we can talk about a difficult uh, confirmation. But until then, I'm just sort of I'm just kind of laughing at these press releases. We're talking to Pete Kasparowitz of the Washington Examiner. And Pete, you're referring, of course, to the fact that Harry Reid took out the filibuster for uh, appointments and th- that, mm-hmm. that all this stuff goes through pretty much without any question. And I remember, Pete, in uh, I think it was 2009, I was in the Senate Progressive Press Conference that they had. Um, and somebody asked the question, somebody from Move On or Air America asked the question, what happens when you're not in power? Aren't you worried this is going to turn on you? And I remember Harry Reid chuckling as if we're never leaving. And here we are. <laughs> and it is coming. Yeah, but, but he's gone. I guess, that's, I guess that was the conventional wisdom. People used to write stories even six months ago, writing stuff like, can Republicans ever win again? And um, is this the end? And, what, you know, and, and, and I, think, I think, you know, what Trump did was he broke that storyline of, of um, you know, the, immig- the, the sort of immigrant vote hopefully the legal immigrant vote is going to just keep sending Democrats up to Washington. Um, and obviously that's not, at least not true this time. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I talk about seeing around corners and I don't think Democrats saw this coming. I think they just saw this, you know, they, they and at least for this past election, they thought the Senate was pretty much in their hands again. So, um, yeah, they, you know, it, it just goes to show you play nice with others, right. All the time. And because you never know how the worm's going to turn on you. Yeah, it's it was an amazing twist for me. And now in looking I'm looking at a story you wrote yesterday about uh, Sean Spicer and talking about the fact that uh, he was asked by John Carl, you know, will Trump keep tweeting? And he said, absolutely, he'll keep tweeting. And Pete, I felt when I was watching that interview with John Carl that Spicer Spicer was telling the mainstream media, you can fight all you want for your your jobs, but. 
This is the new fireside chat. Twitter is the new way the president will bypass the press and get out what he wants to get out. Did you feel the same thing? Yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think we can all see what's coming, right? This is, this is really the democratization of media now. Like, we don't need you guys. Um, and, you know, and Trump's team has also made another subtle point, which is, and in case and anyone who's ever watched a White House press briefing knows it to be true, that a lot of the press availability is pretty boring anyway. You know, you had, we've had Josh Ernest for the last few years just not really answering questions, but just kind of, you know, repeating the line, the line you know already. It's not really newsy. It's, it's, it's another day and maybe another slight variation of what they say, and you hope to make a news story. I, I have to edit this stuff. I know how hard it is. It's not all... It's not all needed, and it's, it's almost never new. So um, here we have a guy who I, I would have thought under Obama or Clinton the press would be really celebrating it, a direct line to the president, but now the media is going to make it a problem. And I think this will be the story of the year. It'll be, it'll be Trump doing what he wants. It'll be him communicating how he wants, and the press sort of left on the sideline howling and screaming and saying, this isn't right, the, these issues are subtle, you're doing it wrong, and, and I don't know if anyone's going to care anymore. I just don't see... You know, and last night, a couple nights ago, did you watch that New Year's stuff? I, I don't watch this garbage, but Don Lemon got drunk or something. And oh, yeah. Uh, Kathy, he got drunk, Kathy, he got his ear pierced, and he actually proposed to Brooke Baldwin. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. And then, no, and then, no, no one's talking about that, Pete. I'm the only one who posted. I posted <laughs> on my Twitter. I pulled the video. He proposed to Brooke Baldwin. She stayed silent. <laughs> Oh, so that's that's a to-be-determined answer, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, also, a, but also, Kathy Griffin is yelling and screaming, and, and, and the media still thinks we're all entertained by this. I mean, I think most people these days are kind of going to bed and not caring about these these uh, these uber celebrities that are up late. They're supposed to be shepherding us through every event, right? The New Year and a terrorist attack and Inauguration Day, they'll be doing it. I, I don't think people need to filter anymore. I think people can just run out and do what they want, and they can... If they want to know what the president's doing, they'll be able, be able to read his tweets, and you can get this stuff direct. So I think this is going to be the massive story of the next few years of watching the media sort of cope with that reality. Wow. It'll be fun to watch. And, and as two guys that are also part of the media, uh, I just think we got to keep pressing on and uh, pointing out all those problems because then people will come to us and say, well, what do you think is going to happen to the media next? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, well, I guess we're, we'll be just we'll be reduced to covering ourselves and how we shrink and die, I suppose. But <laughs> no, it's not that bad. But you know, but in terms of that messaging thing, the media still has a job to do, and there's plenty of open spaces for it, which is to cover what happens. I mean, right now they're opining. You know, we're fact checking um, every tweet from Trump and every little statement, and you, you can't make an off the cuff statement in public without getting fact checked. I mean, I think those are the functions of media that go away. But the functions that say. You know, that, that report to you what's going on, those are still needed. I don't think we ditch those, and hopefully they, they sort of come back and become, you know, the main course as it used to be. Well, I, I appreciate your perspective on it, Pete. Pete Kasparowitz from the Washington Examiner. Thank you, my friend. Uh, tell your, give Anytime your mother my, my home phone number. She can call me and tell me I'm a despicable person as well. No, she's going she's gonna to call uh, the radio line. She'll be on in a few minutes, I'm sure. She'll, she'll muscle her way through. Fantastic. Her and Thank millions you. of others. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Your 
You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mike Opelka in for Glenn Beck today. Glenn and the crew will be back tomorrow. Glenn, Pat, Stu, and Jeffy. Uh, I am uh, happy to be here. Thrilled to be here, as a matter of fact, and hearing from so many of you on Twitter at StuntBrain or on the request on the request lines. What is this, Pop Radio, Mike? On the uh, call-in lines, 888-727-BECK, 727-BECK-2325. Um, so much to get over to uh, cover today. Uh, I want to talk about, I have to talk about Donald Trump and the briefing coming up. Uh, there also, in terms of, the, we covered some of the new state laws and the law that warns people in Nebraska not to drive too close to the edge of the mountain roads. Yeah, the mountains in Nebraska. Uh, but I have to talk about the minimum wage, 19 states added to their minimum wage, increased minimum wages. It looks like it looks like a Tenth Amendment thing is taking place, doesn't it? That maybe states are realizing we don't need a national minimum wage. We need to let the Constitution do its job and let states decide what the minimum wage should be. Because let's face it, it's a lot different to have a job and live and work in New York than it is to live and work in Nebraska. For example, the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.